Hello, and welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is a must-listen for anyone who is considering dietetics as a profession, because it really, truly never is too late. Registered dietitian Brian Smith found his passion and purpose about 20 years after college. I hope you've checked out my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What? And if you're interested, it's available for purchase at my website, annelizabethardy.com, and it's also available as an ebook on Amazon and iTunes. Today's episode is sponsored by my favorite Jolly Time Healthy Pop Popcorn, where my guest and I snack smart and snack happy with Jolly Time Popcorn. To learn more about this perfect snack, visit jollytime.com. My conversation today is with registered dietitian nutritionist, Brian Smith. I have to tell you, sitting and talking with Brian is like sitting with a friend I have known for a hundred years. He is so warm and welcoming. And what I love the most about this conversation is that he has had multiple careers. He's traveled around the world, was a star college athlete. He brews his own beer. He loves to cook. He's raising two daughters after the passing of his wife and still lives a good examined life with much satisfaction. He truly embodies the definition of living his passion by being a registered dietitian. If you are someone who has found dietetics later in life, you will find a great connection with Brian. Also, if you're a student or an intern, Brian is a mentor who welcomes you with open arms. I wish I would have had him in my life at the start of my dietetics career. I know you will enjoy my conversation with Brian. Mostly all your meals. And, well, now that your daughters are, you know, one of your daughters is away, she's probably like, oh, I can't wait to come home and have dad's uh, cooking. Yes and no. I think there, there's, <laughs> you know, the, it, it, it is, and you may have heard this with, you know, many parents that sometimes it's really hard to read the kids' minds because they, they're kind of a moving target in terms of their preferences, you know, sure. over time. And, 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 you know, and I think they're more sensitive to trends, trending things and less habitual than, than we are. And so, so sometimes, you know, I, I, you know, the, my younger one's latest one is to go get Lara bars. That's her morning. That's her breakfast thing. I think I'm good with that, man. You, you have one of those, you're good, you know, get you started. That's great. But I know that in two months, it's going to be something else. You know, it will be something else. <laughs> It'll change. It'll be something yeah. completely different. <laughs> so it will. So I, I just know that's, I think that's, that's a, it, it, again, it's part of that whole seeking your identity. It's part of that age. It's, you know, you're trying to figure out who you are, where you're going and where you've been. And I think, uh, you know, at least for my girls, I've observed that that, that whole food choice thing is, is a real big part of that. So, um, well, food's so per, I mean, food is a really personal thing for yes. some people, for a lot of people, I think. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, whereas Lara bars, you know, 10 years ago was whole nutrient bar, you know? <laughs> right, right. Well, it, it is an identity thing. I mean, you know, we think about, you know, you know, I mean, I don't mean to be cynical, but I think, you know, that my kids are, they would deny it, but, but we're all, we're all, we want to have a brand. I think we all project a, a quote brand, if you will. And, and just by our preferences, how we present ourselves to the world and that kind of thing. And I, and maybe, and I, and as I think about it at my age, yeah, I was doing the same thing, you know, <laughs> honestly, you know, 30, 40 years ago now, 
you know, I was trying to figure out, you know, should I be, you know, what am I most comfortable in? What can I, you know, um, you know, how would I dress up? How would I look? How, you know, how to, and, and I'm not one that t- tends to care what other people think very often, mm-hmm. but I still do. You know, I, sure. I think we all do. I, I mean, unless you're sociopathic, yeah, you do. You know, so. <laughs> That's yeah. very true. So yeah, thinking about like where your daughter is. So when you, I know we briefly kind of talked earlier about mm-hmm. when you kind of started getting interested in nutrition. So, True. you know, just talking about you cooking, is that something that has always kind of been part of your life? Yeah. And has that kind of yeah. always been an interest? Well, in, in the beginning, so I, um, my mom was a home economics teacher. I mean, she, so she, um, uh, well, I was born probably right between her sophomore and junior year in college. Uh, so she did not finish at Iowa State, uh, until the four of us were born and then uh when i was about i want to say five years old she went we lived in the southwest corner of the state in farragut iowa Mm -hmm. and she went to northwest missouri state and then finished her teaching degree um and then went to teach uh and that's really kind of where that had come from although her father loved to cook and he was a chemist i mean he was a a research chemist uh, in fact, his his contribution to the world is you know that light the if you open up any magazine and it's that slick magazine paper. Oh, sure, yeah. He perfected that process. That hit, really? that's his thing. So, um, so and, and he worked for a paper company up in Minnesota, and and uh, I thought I was every bit that you know. Uh, so I thought I was going to be an engineer when I started, but I became. I, I, it was a long story. It was 20 years between the time I started as an undergraduate and I, and I actually passed my dietitian's exam. So, oh, really? Cause oh, it's 20 years. 20 years. 20 so years. So where, where did you initially go to college? Well, then? I went to St. John's University of Minnesota. Okay. Um, and I'm, I'm an Iowa boy. I mean, I grew up near Baird, you know, which is, uh, well, it's 25 miles west of Perry. Um, although my dad managed small cooperative elevators, so we were all over the southwest quarter of the state okay. growing up. Uh, and mom taught at Stanton and Winterset and, and uh, then Far- finally at Carroll Kemper. And then my dad, we lived in Farragut, Baird, and Earlham growing up. I finished high school in Baird. I was an exchange student my junior year in high school. I lived in Mexico in the Yucatan. And uh, so I became proficient in, or fluent enough in Spanish. Um, and I went to St. John's. Largely because the campus is gorgeous. It's out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's 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 uh, about seventy-five miles northwest of the Twin Cities, just out in the middle of timber. Oh, beautiful! Um, beautiful, beautiful place. I've never been there. I stop yeah, there it's yeah. If you, well, if if you ever happen to be on I ninety four going to Fargo, I guess yeah. <laughs> and you never know. I have gone that direction before, so. <laughs> well, I mean, if you or however, yeah, it is. It is a beautiful place. Um, it is one of the largest monasteries of its kind in in the in the Western Hemisphere, um, and there's about 1,600 men that go to St. John's, and then the Women's College, St. Ben's, is about five miles down mm-hmm. the road in the town of St. Joe. Uh, and I thought I was going to be in engineering, and my math background wasn't that strong, and so I ended up doing struggling two years uh, with, you know, lots dif- of math. differential calculation, differential calculus, and. And two semesters of organic and chemistry and, you know, so I ended up with almost a chemistry minor out of all this. And so, and engineering physics and then the demands of the liberal arts piece of it too. Um, 
so the end of my sophomore year, I, I just I was not able to declare a major in engineering or in the sciences. And so because I was fluent, I went on bended knee to the languages department and said, please, can I? <laughs> they let me stay. Uh, and, and that was a good thing. I mean, obviously, I, I, I was intelligent enough to stay in college. So I, I ended up doing five years at St. John's. And in the meantime, I was running. I, I ran track and cross country and I oh, ended up did. being a three-time all-American so you were for Division an athlete three. too I was so that's another fact, full-time job yeah well, I, well <laughs> I'll tell you well then I can show you I, had, uh, I ended up being where is that? Let's see, here. Yeah. so I ended up uh, winning the Division three title in 1983 and ate 5,000 meters wow that is so, awesome and I was second the year, the year before that and then in cross country I, I finished third at the Nationals um so I, yeah, so I ended up, you know, it, it, I, I went to school because I, you know, at the time it was, it was all about the running, you know, I went, I'm going to stay and run. So, <laughs> um, and in the summer times, then my dad had finished working with, um, uh, the co-ops. And so he, we started a small business, uh, assembling and repairing farm equipment. And that was my summer job. Well, then it became my job job after I finished at St. John's. Cause I was a little bit, you know, here I have, I got a Spanish major and I'm, you know, and what the heck am I going to do with that? And, and Reebok picked me up right after college, after college. So I ended up running for them, but it was not, I mean, it, it was, you know, two, three, four thousand dollars worth of you know I could make prize money and oh, sure. I you know and I got I got tons I mean every three months I get this big honking box of shoes and stuff, but it wasn't a living you know and and I and I'm even though you know that's all all nice and impressive I was nowhere near qualifying for Olympic trials or anything like that, so uh, and I and the nice thing about working with Dad was is that uh, it was flexible. You know, we were. It taught me a lot of entrepreneurial skills and that kind of thing, which my present job is is an unexpected plus. <laughs> yes, you know, and um, the it, it would you know all of that allowed me then to, to travel and that kind of thing. Because you know, again, when you're in, in that milieu with the languages department, you know, my my professors say, oh, when you get to Europe, you'll do this, or when you and, and when you travel, and uh, so it was an expectation that I would, and I did. So I. Did they have backpack? We'll travel thing for a while, and um, and then in the mid '80s, I came back to Iowa State, and it, again, it was that first impetus that I thought I should be should be an engineer, but I wasn't paying attention to what was feeding my heart. I mean, that's really the long and short of it. I think uh, your book says that very cl- clearly. You know, you got to pay attention to what feeds your heart, and so mm-hmm. I, I just had not considered that. Uh, because it was a, it was so external, you know. It was oh, I'll be like my grandfather. I'll oh, I'll do this, or you know. And it wasn't that whole thing about well, what about me? And, mm-hmm. and but you know, I wasn't formed in my own person. I think that's the other thing that we realize once you hit you get past that mid twenties point in your life. I mean, it's rare that there's a person my daughter's age that has it figured out. I mean, sure. none of us have it sussed no. out. No, you know? <laughs> I agree. <laughs> you know, so it's, it, she, in fact, I was picking her up at spring break, and I was just saying, she was going like, well, Dad, I don't know. I might have to take five years. And I said, you know, you've heard my story a bazillion times. I said, <laughs> I get it. I really yeah, do. Absolutely. And, and so so I have, I have, I, I, I don't feel, 
I, I really don't want to put any pressure on her to say, you have to have it sorted out at the end of that four years and so on. So because you've been there, you've been know there, how done it goes. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I went to Iowa State, uh, and and the since the travel and international angle really appealed to me, and I did the international studies and home economics. I'm, I'm one of maybe five people that ever graduated with that degree from Iowa State, and um, so I was in classes with amazing people i mean i remember a pair of women in in one of my education classes who had fought in the revolutionary war to to liberate to create the nation of zimbabwe you know from a you know yeah i mean it it just people that you you wouldn't like wow and these are these people were in home economics class i mean adult education home economics classes i mean just amazing people and and uh, so and there were the cool thing about that that college was I mean again so it was kind of funny that I was working with my father in his business but I was really pursuing my mother's profession uh, so I'm and I'm a third generation home economist my grandmother was uh, one of the pilot uh, people for Head Start in this country really um, her. When they lived in Minnesota, my grandmother finished her master's at the age of about 50, finished her master's in early childhood development, and was one of the the, the site directors for one of the pilots for Head Start in the early huh. 60s. Uh, and so she traveled the reservations up in northern Minnesota, where they had these Head Start centers for the First Nations up there. Um, so it was kind of cool to, to still, you know, so again, I, I wonder if that's one of those things that, you know that that there's those those unseen hands pushing you Maybe. that way for you know from your family, and, and uh, so I, I did two years in Ames, and then I, I got the opportunity to go down to New Zealand and live there for a year and study uh, on an exchange. At the time, Iowa State had an exchange with the University of Otago in New Zealand, and in the I got to think of this in the even numbered years, a student an undergraduate student from Kansas State would go down. And then the odd number of years, a student from Iowa State would go down. So I went down in 1989. And if I had a year of my life to live over, that would have been that you, one. Uh, oh, that was amazing. Yeah, I bet. Oh, amazing. So I got to live in a, in a, in a dorm. Uh, they call them hostels. It was a very small dorm, about 120 people. And just, you know, uh, taking classes there. And, and so I took food science, food tech, but I had to take a clothing construction class, too, to finish my degree. Which is that's how I learned how to make kilts, you know. So, uh, so another story, yeah, another long story. <laughs> but uh, it was it was at that time, you know, that taking the food science classes, I realized this was home. You know, I really was. This was something I really was into. Uh, and the cool thing was is that uh, there they were very um, in your last year. Uh, most of the students were were doing active internships with different you know, different companies. So I did quite a bit of work with Fletcher Challenge, um, which is a, a huge meatpacking concern in Australia and New Zealand. Okay. Uh, did research with them. In fact, the first day I remember going to the lab and, you know, we're talking about this. It really, it was not that glamorous of a project. It was, it was, <laughs> I had to microwave legs of lamb. I mean, hundreds oh. of them. And then I had to extract a muscle group out of the middle of the leg, a certain, certain, so was something or other and and then i'd had to section that into one one centimeter cubes and then i had to put it in a little mechanical tenderometer which was these these two aluminum teeth and it would go bite and it would just the shear force it would measure this force so so here i am you know i had to to do these legs according to these heating protocols all blooming summer long you know but it was kind of, you know, so here I am, we're talking about the project, and we're in the lab and all that, and, fun, and then uh, this lady, Margot Buick, she says, 
oh, well, uh, here. So she hands me a pair of white boots, a white jumpsuit, and white helmet. She goes, we got it, you know, we need to, you need to see this, you know. And so I had to go through stem to stern of the whole packing house, you know, which was oh, wow. not expected. I no. had, I, well, it was probably better that she didn't, uh, you know, <laughs> didn't. She just surprised me. Um, I mean, it kind of put me off. Really, I'm, but on the other hand, I mean, having grown up in rural Iowa and knowing where your food comes mm-hmm. from and all that kind of thing, I, I thought, okay, I can, I, I can live with this connection. You know, I can live with the fact that, you know, we do these animals have a purpose. You know, sure. and certainly that kind of thing. Um, so I came back to Iowa and went back to working in in the machinery biz for a while and spun off a, a machinery detailing business, which was really kind of fun. Uh, and then I ended up, but I still, you know, here I'm, you know, a tractor mechanic with a liberal arts degree. And, well, now two degrees, a liberal arts degree and a home ec degree. So, you know, what does that have to do with anything? So I ended up in the early 90s uh, getting on with the Meals on Wheels program here in Polk County. So I helped run the Meals on Wheels program here for about the, uh, from 91 to 95 um, we served about a thousand meals. We still do. I mean, they, they, we still serve about a thousand to eleven hundred shut-in people throughout the county, all the way from, you know, the Dallas County line all the way out to Runnels and Alamon and you know the the sure. Elkhart and so on. Um, and so part of my job was kind of threefold. One, I had fifteen drivers that I had to supervise, but the other piece was uh, since I was a certified home economist at the time, then I. I was also doing lots of education for our home care staff, so I did a lot of that. Uh, and then I was kind of a quasi-social worker because I would go help certify these people for their meals. So I would have to go out and verify their income and visit oh. with them and those kinds of things. So that part was So you really, were educating and you were assessing? Yeah, yeah. I was educating staff, but then I was going, you know, I half, I, so I, half the time I was in office doing what I needed to. And the other half, I was really just going for people's house. You know, I, I would do about 250 to 300 home visits a year. Oh, my goodness. Um, just... You know, sh- shooting the breeze with people, and so you know, and, and some folks, it was it was really, I mean, it was always interesting. Never, never a dull moment. <laughs> I, I just remember the one, the most memorable one. I had this lady; she was ninety, ninety nine, and and uh, in fact, we were just laughing. Some friends of mine and I were laughing about her the other day. Um, she had lived; she lived on the southeast, bo- kind of on the edge of the southeast bottoms in Des Moines. Had worked in the packing house on Murray for most of her working life, and she's ninety nine now, and. And uh, had been receiving our services for several years, and she loved to have people come and visit. Aww. And she didn't get a lot of time. So, you know, and, and, and of course, it was always, you know, sank, cool Sanka cool and stale Oreos, but, <laughs> but you know. Sanka, oh, you goodness. Know, yeah, she, you know, but she, she it, was just, it was just gold because she just, you know, and I'd always have to put her visit at the end of the day just because I knew that the first longer. liar didn't have, yeah, I mean, well, I was wired the same way. I mean, it was we had a visit, you know, mm-hmm. like like you do, you know in rural Iowa when you visit, you know, as neighbors and so on. But the poor lady one afternoon and she got into starting to yarn in on a, and she she up and just went, <gasps> and she died on me. No, she did. Oh she gosh, died are on you me. Kidding? <gasps> and, I'm, and I'm going like, oh, I don't remember my CPR. I don't remember. Ah, uh, you know. And so I, I immediately called nine one one. Squad got there five minutes after I called. 
And of course, oh, you know, and I, I did manage to get the, her dentures out of her mouth. I, I just, you know, there was nothing moving. And I'm going like, I don't know where to start. Well, you weren't expecting that. No, I wasn't. <laughs> and so I, and, and so the guy got in and they laid her down and, and they said, we're just not going to, we're not even going to start. I mean, he, she, he said she would not have survived. So, sure. so, I mean, in a sense, I mean, I think of, all right, if, if I had a choice in this matter, <laughs> <laughs> I might have to do that, you know, while I'm just shooting the breeze with somebody just up and go, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and the funny thing is, so I, they let me go to the funeral and, and, and she had this you know, petite little, about this big around woman, maybe this tall fire engine red dress and you know and they, they and she wanted you know she had white hair going to 99 but she was made up i mean it, it was it was a it was kind of funny to see that she was had probably been very specific about how she wanted oh, to be sure. done yeah. when she when she was uh when she had the time came and so uh, just <laughs> that is an unforgettable experience <laughs> well they still talk about it that's what's funny i mean 25 years later they're still talking about it at the agency so um and that's when I met Maureen. So Maureen and I had known each other, um, in, you know, when she was in, in college, and I had just finished college, and she was still in Iowa. Um, same group of friends, and we started dating in 90, 92, 25 years ago, right now. Um, and of course, I was about thirty-two, and she was thirty, and yeah, you know, and lots of things clicked. You know, it was just that mm-hmm. that whole. You know, our families were similar, outlooks were similar, lots of things we shared. Uh, she'd traveled a lot herself. I mean, she'd worked in Haiti, and she'd worked, she uh, actually is from coming just southwest of town here a little bit. Uh-huh. And uh, had, uh, when she finished at Iowa, she worked in Spanish Harlem for a year as a, as a health oh, nurse, wow. a public health nurse. Just a, So we had both kind of looked at each other, and, you know, it was this, every morning we'd wake up, or every, every evening after we'd get home, it was that, you know, how was your day, honey? You know, and it was this, we'd start launching into this litany of regret. I mean, this, and it wasn't us. I mean, it was just, oh, let me tell you about Mr. So-and-so, and, you know, and he just, and this, and he got, you know, he's sick, or she's sick, or, and her, her people, she was a hospice nurse, and her oh, people were dying, yeah. you know? So we're, one day, I, I don't know when it dawned on us, but it was like, well, you know, we got one student loan. The cars are paid for. We're we're renting an apartment. We have no kids. Maybe we better go now. You know, so <laughs> so we we saved for about a year and a half, and we quit our jobs and we traveled the world. We we uh, we ended up going back to Ireland for about a month, and we went to New Zealand for about six weeks, and then we found a a volunteer assignment down in the island of Saint Lucia in the Caribbean, mm-hmm. and that's where we. That's when I decided I really wanted to be a dietitian. I, you know, was working in, in this hospital. Maureen could, was a med surge nurse, but I did anything they wanted me to. I mean, sure. so I and, and so and I. You could do anything. Well, basically, that I, wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Well, they if I they didn't have dietitians as such. I mean, so they they basically had a. Um, a regular menu or regular food, but then and the only diet trays they probably would have fixed would have been f- like a lower sodium diet meal, you know, meals for persons with kidney disease. And they didn't have dialysis, and they didn't. I mean, we we didn't have a ventilator. I mean, so th- this was a this was the main hospital for the south half of the island. So the island of St. Lucia is probably the size of Polk County, um, with a similar population, about four hundred thousand. Well, a smaller population of Polk County. About 400,000 people. And so our hospital had about 120 beds. And, and, uh, but we just, 
you know, we didn't have things that, I mean, there weren't, there weren't, for example, IVs. We didn't have pumps. I mean, it was just uh-huh. gravity. Everything was gravity. Oh, my gosh. Um, very limited, you know, very limited kinds of things that we could do for, for people. Uh, and, and it was an interesting way of looking at medicine and also, I think, just looking at and, and that whole how do you preserve life and that kind of stuff? Because you know sometimes you just had to let people go because you just there were no resources, resources to help, for it. none. So it was you know it was just interesting to be a part of that and you know and and in that and there was that sort of a a very stark contrast between the tourism industry and and the Europeans and the Americans that would come to to you know go to Club Med and go to Sandals and go to and, and the folks that we were treating in the hospital that you know, actually live in the country lived in the country absolutely um, and that just it was what we wanted out of that experience and certainly I, it did make me sensitive to you know uh, meeting people where they are rather than where I think they are so. So I came home and uh, yep, that's when I went to Iowa State. Then in ninety summer ninety seven, I started summer school. Gene Anderson helped me uh, work up a program where I just took the classes I had yeah, to take. Yeah, you probably you know? didn't have a lot that you needed to take. Uh, no, I had to take. I had to take the management. Well, I had to take tea room, of course. You know, everybody has to take tea room. <laughs> uh, Iowa State must. Uh, must take tea room. <laughs> had to take tea room. I had to do um, the Nancy Brown's management classes. I had to do. I had to do all the medical dietetics. I had to take. Mm-hmm. I had to take microbiology over, and I had to take anatomy, well, baby zoo. You know, I had to take sure. that, and. Um, there were a couple of others, and then I there were a couple that I wanted to take. There was the gerontology class that the, some guy from Germany, who was a top researcher at Iowa State, yeah, and I can't remember his name, but it was a, an astoundingly good class. It was in Kildee. Um, I just remember because it was in that you know, it, it was in this lecture hall that you could tell that they at one time they used to parade you know cattle in, you know in front of them, you know for yeah. you know and and all that. But but uh, you know it was just it was an amazing class uh, just for again because I had always the thing I really enjoyed about the job at Generations was I I have a I had a really good affinity for. Uh, people's stories, you know, in that, in that, uh, again, like this lady that I, I went to visit, you know, I, she looked forward to me coming. I remembered mm-hmm. her story. We just would pick up where we left off. And, and, and so that's one thing I really enjoyed. And that, and then again, that when I went to Lutheran, well, I finished then at, at Iowa State, interned at Mercy, and then I was working PRN for Iowa Health then, and I got in at Lutheran, um, where I was for 15 years. And that, really helped my floor work as a, as a clinical dietitian, you know, and as I said, you know, I usually would, when I give my speech about what do dietitians do? And I said, you know, you say the word dietitian and usually people think of somebody in a lab coat prowling hospital halls, you know, with a clipboard (laughs) in their hand, uh, you know, and I, but I think for myself, that's why I, I loved that job for the fact that it was a connection with the people and their stories, and and I'm an incurable snoop, and and so hip is a hard thing for me to hold to. It is a discipline I must I must follow. Um, it is. Um, however, I mean once I I knew people and that kind of thing. I mean that that whole education. You know, I would do 400 bedside educations a year, you know, and 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 it was just a life giving thing. Again, going back to that whole idea about 
finally I found something that fed my heart, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's, that's uh, again, that's my greatest wish for my kids is sure. a similar deal, you know, so. So did you feel that when you kind of started working in dietetics, like you kind of, that whole come together, it mm-hmm. was like that aha moment? Yeah, and that's, I think that's the whole thing that, you know, at first, again, engineering thought, you know, it was an external thing, it was an expectation I put on myself that really did not come from knowing who I was, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and in that whole time, I you know, in that whole twenty years that until I finished my exam, I, we I did have, and I was called out to really examine what I stood for. You know, I mean, I, I mean, G.K. Chesterton said years ago, I mean, if if you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. And and uh, you know, I think that there's a truth to that. That uh, to to live a good examined life, uh, you know, thank you, Oprah Winfrey, but to live a good examined life <laughs> is, is a key thing to satisfaction. You know, you, you can uh, and certainly fulfillment. I, I think I, I might have said in my Facebook post the other day about where your world, your greatest desire intersects with what the world sees as the or where you see the world's greatest need is that's where you need to be i mm-hmm. mean that's that's a very old idea it goes all the way back to aristotle you know so um so that's where that whole fulfillment thing and if you're fulfilled then happiness will follow obviously so I mean, you know that i mean i think I, I as i was sitting in that council meeting i was looking around and i'm going like there's the, we're in good hands we got a bunch of people who have found their home, sure. you know, and I yeah. think in, in that, and then they found that, and they're willing to fight for it, and they're yes. willing to protect it, and they're willing to uh, see it grow and blossom, you know. And I think that's uh, that that's uh, that was very heartwarming for me to to again, since I don't have a and I until I finish with the board of dietetics mm-hmm. and I get these kids out of the house. <laughs> Uh, I will tough. have to sit on the sidelines, but I, that doesn't mean that I can't communicate either. No, you know? absolutely. So, so, um, and and have those conversations. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that's the nice thing about, like I said, with Carrie um, being who she is. Um, you know, she and I didn't work together at all until I became her manager, and now, you know, sometimes we do have conversations over the phone just about, oh yeah, 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 and it starts wandering off into. <laughs> but I think that helps Carrie because her practice is so intense. I mean, mm-hmm. with eating disorder, disordered eating and that kind of thing. And, and she's always looking for that piece. We've had lots of conversations about that fulfillment piece. And so, I mean, what a wonderful thing to have those conversations at work for gosh sakes. Yes. Can you imagine, yes. you know, with people that are passionate, just right. like you, are. you know, I, I, and I'm trying to get that across to the people that I manage. I, I manage a call center and I think in this last year, I think that my employees in the call center get that. They get that I'm not here. I, I, in fact, I, I could be a better manager about, okay, these are the rules. This is what you got to do. This is the thing. This is the line in the sand. And it's it's more about let's develop this. Let's talk. I need your input. Let, you know, can, we, can we work on it? Yes, it's a work in progress. Yes, it's messy. No, it's not cut in stone. You know, all those things. And I think they finally, they, the first two years that we were together, it was... It was difficult because, uh, I mean, I, I have 23 employees in that call center, all very different styles, backgrounds, learning, mm-hmm. you know, um, learning and that kind of thing. And, I, and it just, we just finally have, and it was, you know, and it's really because it took that, the relationship that sure. long, yeah. you know. And, and, and I think that's one thing that I have to keep getting back to my boss about. I said, this is about relationships. It's not, I mean, yes, it is about role. You know, superior, subordinate, and role, and that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, that 
room full of, of women and a few men are looking for a satisfying work relationship. Mm-hmm. They really are. Let's face that. Mm-hmm. And I, I did, one day she was after me about something, and I said, look, you know, I said, I'm about wanting to do this with a little bit of love. You know, I, yeah. I, I, let's say that out loud at the workplace for once, you know. <laughs> and uh, that's okay. I know? mean, that's a good thing. I think so. I, and, I, and, you know, and it's, it is because I think we want to you know we're all looking for that you know we're all looking for a satisfying place to be and and especially sometimes a refuge in very turbulent times in our life sometimes that workplace is the only yeah, place you know and completely. i think about i think about many of my employees you know and some who have been going through rough stuff and, and some mm-hmm. who are going through rough things and you know some for those folks punching in for that eight hour shift you know where it's a known quantity and and that kind of thing is is sometimes the only place of refuge and certainty and and you know they feel that they have some value in this world you know yeah i mean i think if after maureen passed i mean she passed very died very suddenly uh her one of her valves in her heart just gave away i happened to be there Oh, I was teaching in DMAC. So, yeah, was the other things I've been doing. Yeah. <laughs> I was teaching at the culinary, Iowa Culinary Institute. Uh, they needed a, an instructor for their, their nutrition class. And so on two, I, we did this Freaky Tuesday, Freaky Friday thing where she would work nights, and I would... So I'd get the kids going in the morning and choose. Yes, so we would kids qu- then at that point. Yeah, we yes. did. And so, you know, we were, so it was kind of a deal where we'd meet in the front porch, say, how are you doing? <laughs> Hi, how you doing? Uh, okay, kids, she's going there. And, and uh, just remember that she's got, uh, you know, choir afterwards and so on. Um, but so on, on Tuesdays and Fridays, sometimes I would go in early so that she could, you know, we could work, make the schedule work. So, mm-hmm. uh, so Tuesday afternoon I came home early from Lutheran so that I could go to DMAC and do my, you know, teach my class. And she was just like, oh, I just don't know. And she's just fretting and kind of fussing. And I hadn't seen this before. And then pretty soon she said, my arms are heavy. And I said, oh, we need to go in. You, need, you know, you know, I don't, I'm going to call in for, for work. I need to take you to the emergency room. Let's get you there. Well, on the way from here downtown, she arrested on me in the car. Oh my goodness. And I, I had, I thought she had a seizure. And so and I, I was already going 70 miles an hour down the freeway, and and I'm going like, I've already passed Mercy and Methodist, so I just, okay, Lutheran, Lutheran, Lutheran. I know the people at Lutheran, I know. And so I got there. She By the time we got to the ED, she would have been down about two minutes at that point, and they knew, code blue, the whole thing. And, and they worked mm-hmm. on her for, gee, 40 about 40 minutes. And I and I just was looking at all this, and, and I, of course, the whole team, most of the physicians and all the residents I knew and sure. they're looking over at me like, Oh my gosh, you know, uh, what can we do? So I finally, you know, I said about 30 minutes into working on her, she just was not capturing any kind of a rhythm in uh-huh. her heart. And, uh, and I said, you know, doc, I, I, I just, I know if she survives this, it, it's not going to be pretty. I mean, there's, it's, it's going to be nursing. It's going to be long-term, care. long-term care, really tough, tough stuff. And I said, I'm okay with you calling calling the code whenever you feel this is it. I I, I I see it's pretty grim. And so they worked on her for another 10 minutes and, and called the code. It, it, but here's the mercy of it was. I was there. She suffered maybe a minute, maybe. You know, I mean, she, she it would have been like a pain. And then she felt like she fainted, you know. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, and so I, I, I you know. You were there. I, I was there. You know, the girls didn't find her down, you know. Mm-hmm. So. So, um, 
I feel like she had a lot to do with you becoming a dietitian just Mm -hmm. because she came into your life at that time that you were kind of, you know, what am I doing? And then you did that trip and then you might not have ever done that. You might not have that discovery. I think that, I think that's true. I mean, she, she definitely didn't actively facilitate that, but but, I mean, it it was a matter of being, you know, Mm -hmm. I think, and certainly we'd had a lot of conversations and of course in St. Lucia, there were only two television channels, first (laughs) off, and and they went off the air at 1030 at night. So, I mean, so we would have, I mean, I read, we read and talked and all that kind of stuff. And and we had this circular conversation about happiness versus fulfillment. And, I said, and my stance was, if you're fulfilled, you'll be happy. She says, well, but if I'm happy, I'm already fulfilled. And, you know, so it was this circular conversation about this. We were saying the same things. You know, but, sure. You know, Just different ways. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, she, she I think, in, in a very, uh, in her own way, helped facilitate mm-hmm. that idea, you know, and set the stage. And it, certainly we, I, I know that I need to be mindful of setting the stage for others in in this part of my life i mean certainly in those mentoring relationships that i have with interns um i mean i have one right now the a guy that we just hired a guy another we have another dietitian on awesome uh, that's exciting jason bird he's yeah <laughs> i really like him he's he's an, an incredibly intelligent man he's also somebody this is his second career um uh, he was worked kind of as a paralegal before, and okay. uh, very, very, very intelligent man. And I, you know, I've, I just, we've, we're kind of doing that. Okay, lunch every, every once a month on Wednesday we have lunch. You know, kind of catch up. Uh, and again with my kids, same thing. You know, just to set that stage for their own journey of self discovery. I don't know where it's going to take them. I, I, I mean, think about this for a minute. It, 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 this is a generational thing. Okay, that grandfather I was talking about a while ago, mm-hmm. he worked for the same, outside of being serving in the Navy, he worked for the same company all of his working life, a bland and paper company, you know. Um, Which was very common. Very, I mean, A lot very, of people did yeah. that. Yeah, and the company took care of him and, and, in fact, took care of my grandmother after he had passed, you know, and, and uh, you know, pretty much, underwrote all of her memory care and all that kind of stuff, you know, with the, the company insurance. Um, now my dad, uh, see, he's, he's 79 and he worked for, he's really had two major careers. So he worked, um, from the time he finished Iowa state in 1962 until he, until 1979, he was in management, middle management for these cooperative elevators. Um, and in 1979, you know, the thing about the small town Iowa, you, you're from. I okay. am. Yeah, yeah right. I yeah. know about so that. So where's home for you? Panama, Iowa. Panama, uh, yes. Oh, yes. hell yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. Very Shelby, small Shelby town. Shelby County. Shelby County, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, well, in fact, I've probably got some Roseman's beef somewhere oh, in the, in probably, the freezer. Yeah, yeah. and also, yeah. Um, so, uh, okay, we've done the small town Iowa thing. But, you know, as you would know then, so the, the board that hired my dad for to manage the elevator, five years later was not the same board. And, of course, mm-hmm. they would have a difference of opinion. And inevitably, you know, every five years it was, you know, Mr. Smith, either you're going to resign or we're going to force you to resign, one or the other. And uh, he'd had enough of that. I mean, and he was also seeing that, you know, in the early 60s, you know, the co-op was, you know, he was working for the members, you know. And then in the mid to late 70s, it was get bigger, get out. It was business. It was, you know, if we're not making a profit, then you're not doing your job and so on. And and he realized in his thing, you know, in his knowing that, you know, at the age of 42, that um, 
this isn't feeding my heart anymore either. Mm -hmm. And that was a really rough summer. Uh, thank God that, you know, Garst had plenty of some seasonal work for him to do through that <laughs> summer. But, you know, he had a journey of, of rediscovery for about a year himself at that time. Now that I look back at that, we used to call it midlife crisis. But it <laughs> I like that. Rediscovery is a much gentler term. Well, it is. But, uh, you know, we are always about rediscovering. I mean, and I, so for him, it was... This this business opportunity came forward uh, to do the farm equipment repair, and so he was in business for himself. He didn't have to work seventy hour weeks during harvest. Um, he could, you know, it was decent money. It was the fact that he could give my brother and I a job to get us through college, mm -hmm. and and not only that, the benefit was is I worked side by side with my father for fifteen years, and you know, I I I, I treasure that because now he and I are well, I mean he's. He's just a little thinner, a little grayer than I am, but he looks a lot like me, you know. But he, you know, I, I love that man. I mean, I'm going to miss him terribly when he's gone. But, mm -hmm. you know, we had that and we have that. And so, I mean, it really sealed his parental, you know, I think it, it made him feel fulfilled as a parent, you know, uh, because he and his father were not real close. Mm -hmm. um, so just a different kind of fulfillment. It you was. Know, just yeah. finding that relationship with his own yeah, son. Exactly. And so he, you know, so he he's had two careers and then so for me you know we've talked a little bit about where i've been so i probably this is career number four and i'm you know 56 <laughs> years old it's career number four that's pretty amazing i so might have one more in me but you, you might know, <laughs> you know you're yeah. still young oh uh, yeah so like you were talking about relationships and like mentoring and all that kind of stuff obviously you didn't start out doing all that stuff when you were first a dietitian mm. so you no. know when you think about what you're doing now for your dietitians mm. Who did that for you when you kind of started? I, well, I was exceptionally fortunate that Sandy Heisman was my boss. Sandy, she passed away a year ago. Um, uh, so she she hired me on, actually she didn't, Gretchen Wilhelm hired me on, but Sandy really kind of provided a lot of guidance in those those first couple years. Um, and then Martha White also, who's a dietitian and now works for IT for us, both of them, I think, were very good at, and and really, Lutheran was a great place to just kind of find my voice, and that's what I tell every every intern that comes with, you know, spends a month with me. I said, we're here to help you find your voice. You know, you you had your, it's obvious you're intelligent. I mean, you you made it through, you got an internship. There's a 95 plus percent chance you're going to pass the exam. Mm -hmm. We know that. Um, so we want you to find your voice in all of this, you know, and, and uh, I tell them, you know, I, in my class of eight in my internship class, it was only eight people, you know, one of them went sell uh, medical equipment for Bard and she's made, she made a killing at it. She's doing very well and living in the cities. That first five years of her work, I haven't, I haven't talked to her in gee, 15 years now, but that first five years, I mean, she traveled everywhere, but she could. Mm -hmm. But, you know, again, I, it was just a matter of I, I just want them to find their voice in terms of, you know, is it going to be clinical? Is it going to be community? Is it going to be um, coaching, medical coaching equipment. selling <laughs> or, medical yes, equipment? Coaching. Um, or, you know, I, I, one of the gals that I, I have high, very great hopes for, uh, Caroline Weeks. I don't know if you know her. You know, Caroline worked with me very closely uh, the last year before she left for, for internship. Um and I just said, you know, I, we hope to see you back. But I said, I, you're you're be, you're bound for bigger and better things, you know. Uh, and, and she will she'll find her place and all that. But she came to me 
on the fact that it, she went to the eatright.org to find the expert, and I happened to live in the same zip code as she does. Oh, really? That's how she, so she found me huh. to interview me for, well, what do you guys do, and how is this? I have an interest, and, you know, my boyfriend and I are working out, and, and I nutrition just sounds great. And so we were at Caribou for two hours just, just hashing talking. this out, just talking. And now she's at the VA, and, and uh, she's most well she's three quarters of the way through her internship at the va and in twin cities and she'll do fine she Uh will find her place you know so i mean i so again that that's where i see i am now you know you're kind of do you like that more of that mentor role i I mean obviously i'm growing into it yeah yeah Yeah. well i mean for just to say yes i'd love to meet with you and just talk about what i do for a couple hours that's yeah for no one that you know that's pretty awesome well and that's the thing you know and and she she uh, had gone to roosevelt my kids are going to so we had a lot of a few things in common the neighborhood you know so there were some things that we could already talk about you know for for the benefit of, of uh, her development and uh, and give her some guidance and so I you know left her my card and all that and I always I always give my card to the interns you know I said here you know I'm, I'm a reference yeah. yeah well I said <laughs> you're gonna need to call somebody's you're gonna need to have somebody to that you're you're whoever's hiring is gonna call I said mm-hmm. I I'm, I'll be a reference I have no problem with that. I don't know if my colleagues do that very well, but I know that it's important. Again, that entrepreneurial thing coming back, you know, that's the other thing is, you know, I I, I love, I, I work with an absolutely brilliant staff at, at, at Unity Point. I mean, they're an amazing bunch of people on top of their game. Um, however, you know, many of them, you know, at the age of 24, this is what they were doing. They were dietitians, you know, and mm-hmm. I... And I have so I do come at it a little differently sure. for, for those kinds of things. And and this whole entrepreneurial thing in healthcare as as you guys do in high V, you know, we're trying to find where the market is. Where is the market going? And and we in healthcare have not historically been because we knew that it would always come to us. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not happening, folks. You know, it just There's isn't. There's too the, many people to, that they can go to outside. Well, of consumer us. is eh, consumerism is a reality, and let's face it. I mean, that's one of the gifts of living in this country is that you know, yeah, we you, folks do have a choice. They really have a choice. I mean, lots of choices. Lots of choices. <laughs> well, I mean, think about this for a minute. Let's think about ketchup for a minute because I, I it's one of my favorite things, and I know it's a little bit of a sidebar, but you know, I, I can go to your store you know on floor and, and i you know there's probably a dozen kinds of ketchup mm-hmm. right at least well you know in many places of the world i've lived and lived with there was only one <laughs> you know one that's your choice one kid option, that's one it. option and 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 so i i just think of that you know and all of all the places i've lived in the world i still i really enjoy living here for that it's a two-edged sword i mean we have so many choices, so many options, and yet that may lead to that kind of diffusion of, you know, there's that smorgasbord. You know, like with us eating food. I mean, if there's that, mm-hmm. if there's a, if there's a potluck or a smorgasbord in front of you, it's easy to just be indiscriminate about what you take in, and and uh, um, it's so easy for us to do that. And so again, I see my role as uh, this these days, especially with interns. Is to say, be discriminating. You know, be just be. You know, figure out what feeds your heart. I mean, I I taught a bunch of sixth graders a couple of weeks ago. I had I did a day of sixth grade science at Merrill. Oh, did you? Yeah, we. That's did. fun. I, I I trotted out the old the, the plastic food models. Yeah. I have a whole. You know, I got two boxes full of them. So we did build a plate kind of thing, and I talked about it a little. But I just I really left them with. I said, guys, you know, pay attention to what makes you happy. Um, 
even if you love to play with games, I said, you know, video games and that kind of stuff. I said, now, it might drive your parents nuts, but playing video games well can teach you how to discern, to see patterns and see, mm-hmm. put things together and, and to, to put things in, a, in, a, in an order, a sequence. And there's lots of jobs out there that need that kind of that kind of thinking, and so, uh, so I just left it with them. I, you know, again now, like you know, we grew up in farming communities. What do we do? We we threw seed in the ground and we hope for the best. You know, yes, yeah. So that's what you do. Well, <laughs> you know? and I think that's interesting that like even just giving that message that you're mentoring you're mentoring sixth graders in, mm-hmm. in a small short way. So it kind of seems like that's kind of the theme of maybe your passion. Well. At this time in my life, it is. Yeah, you know, but I think that goes back to you know all the experiences that you had previously, mm-hmm. yeah. as opposed to like that new grad outside of their their internship. Well, yeah, and, and and for them, they will find again finding that that again the the, the one of those themes that your voice, you're feeding your heart, you know, and knowing where you are in the world, finding that where your desire intersects with what you perceive to be the greatest need, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff. I mean, again, my daughter, the first-year student, you know, she, at Iowa, she's, she uses that language in so many words, and she's gone, I'm just, I, I just, she knows what moves her, but she has yet to find that, where how that's going to be expressed, you mm-hmm. know. And, right. and it's never too late to figure it out. Well, right. Well, and here, well, and going back to the other thought is, is that you know, really and truly, I think for this generation uh, of folks in in college, is that change is so is accelerating so quickly that we uh, we have to be prepared for uh, knowing who you are. You know, very essentially are, um, and and so. Again, so that's where sometimes that whole spirituality angle for me really grounds me in that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I still take a week off at least once a year to go stay at the monastery for a week, and, and uh, all I do is pray and nap, but that's okay. <laughs> hey, it's that's good. a good it's recharger. Good. That's it, the it, best it, recharger it, ever. It, it, <laughs> you know, honestly, it is. Uh, and, and so, yeah, so, no, I'm going on retreat. See you. Yeah, you know, I, and, uh, wow. <laughs> um, but you know, yeah, it's nothing special about it, really. It isn't. I mean, it's. it's not but like you a, listen to what you what you need, and you do it. Well, and that's you know, and it goes back to another thread of conversation we had a long time ago. You know, is that whole thing about listening? I mean, the the rule for these these guys, these men and women who live in the monastic environment, is it is about listening, and, and it's it's you know it's. It, 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 non-spiritual people can be engaged in that too mm-hmm. uh, to to help gauge and you know to help know who they are what and what where that desire lies and and, and those kinds of things so i think uh, yeah again that's where we are that's yeah, what we do absolutely. so yep. so you said earlier you said well i might have one more different profession is there do you kind of see your because currently are you you're managing mm-hmm. are, do you do clinical hospital uh oh gosh well do you see. do everything <laughs> it it seems overwhelming <laughs> i uh, i and my title is clinical nutrition operations manager. So I, I am paired with another Courtney Perry, um, and Courtney is a brilliant woman. I, I I'm so fortunate to work with her. Um, uh, you know, in terms of a team, I think we do very well together. Um, she's a. I mean, we're both we're both raging introverts. I mean, that's the first thing, <laughs> and so we get called out a lot for you know to be that that voice in front of uh, in front of many people, but. Um, 
so what she does is she really takes care of the 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 clinical staff, the okay. the dietitians and dietetics sure. for all of four of the Unity Point hospitals here in Des Moines. That's that's her thing, and 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 that is plenty. Believe me, uh, we are really trying very hard to uh, push to. Um, I, we're kind of working past the nutrition. We, we kind of transcended the nutrition care process in terms of the official one, in terms of we have a mission to to treat malnutrition. That's our mission. That's our thing. And, and, and uh, you know, and, and uh, that staff, we're, we're trying to move them. We try, no, they, they are moving in that direction. I mean, some of them are moving without any prompting from us, believe me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's where we provide value to the organization. That's where we, you know, that's where our business is. That's what we need to do. We need to do everything in our power to, to reverse malnutrition for these people in the hospital. And so, and that's really lit a nice, great fire underneath there because for a long time, again, we had this diffuse purpose. And I, and I don't mean to, to badmouth the, the, the uh, IDNT or the, you know, the, all the terminology and all the nutrition diagnoses and the, uh, the PES statements and all that. I don't, I don't mean to badmouth that, but it, it just, it was so diffuse. I mean, it, again, there was this smorgasbord of choices out there. And what we were finding in our practice was, is really, we were using only one of the diagnoses consistently, you know, inadequate, uh, inadequate uh, oral, or, or inadequate energy intake, you know. 98% of the time, that's what I was using as a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Well, all right, let's focus on that, and let's let's be about that. And, and or, Well, the other one would have been a nutrition deficit knowledge, a knowledge deficit, you know, and that's where the teaching for the me came in. The education part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so we had those two things going for us. Um, and really, I think that that focus has been good for all of that. So Courtney really takes care of a lot of this. So I take care of the background work. So I, I'm, I help with the informatics with Epic. Our, our electronic health record system. I, I do all much of the seaboard work. So seaboard oh, is okay. the is the what runs helps us with. Uh, well, we have ninety different diet types, and we, you know, <gasps> and, <a> lot. <laughs> and every single food. I have seven hundred sixteen food and ingredient items that we have that I have to catalog one hundred and fifteen different uh, attributes to each food and ingredient. So you know, you just start doing the math. That you know, we're oh, talking tens of thousands sure. of combinations. Um, so I have to take care of that. So I take care of that. And uh, then the, this room service call center helps do that. Because, again, what happens is oh, I get admitted to the hospital. I get my heart-healthy menu or whatever the doctor thinks I need today. And uh, I, I can call my, my gal online and said, Danette, hey, uh, I'd like to have uh, scrambled eggs and, uh, and coffee and toast. She goes, well, it'll have to be a heart-healthy scrambled egg. I can see that. You know, so our system will tell them to do that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so... I, I take care of that piece, the whole call center piece with that as well. And then I mesh in with our production team and with our patient services team for all these initiatives with that. So that's that's about, I want to say about 70% of my job. <laughs> now the, wow. So the other, so the, and, and so think about this, it's four hospitals and, and around 650 people laying in beds, you know, mm-hmm. or laying in the ED or whatever, wherever they happen to be today from neonates all the way to centenarians. Um, then I have the the nutrition center, which is our outpatient counseling service. Uh, okay. Carrie, that's mm-hmm. where she works. And so I have Carrie full time, and I have a couple part time dietitians who do nutrition counseling. Um, and it's not unlike what you guys do, you know. Again, uh, although Carrie's really tries to focus very much on the eating disordered eating uh-huh. thing, because guess what? 
I, I can stabilize somebody medically, but I don't have the, the chops to do that counseling piece. I really don't. You know, I, I, I could teach. Yeah, I could teach you how to do whatever you like, but but that whole that's not a strength for me. It just, okay. you know, and yeah, it that's just good isn't. To know. It isn't. I mean, it, like, and, and working with neonates, not a strength. You know, uh, that wasn't my neonate. No, <laughs> that was my least favorite rotation was neonate so intensive care. And uh, pediatrics was fine during internship because at Mercy they had a bunch of kids from the Yucatan. So I ended up spending the week and a week or two weeks in PICU translating. That's oh. what I ended up doing. So I'm all right. I get that. But, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, see, that came in handy for it them. Did <laughs> so. Um, uh, so I, I, I help administrate that, and we've been trying to work through the uncertainties again. Going back to where you're at, you know, the the, the, the reimbursements issue yes. and the all of those things, and uh, you know, I we're and, and you know, any point we're trying to pick up every penny on the sidewalk that we can, and you guys have to as well. Mm-hmm. So, but what does that take? How do you systematize that? How do you get that taken care of? Do we and then. Uh, concurrent to that is we would love we we thought we were going to have an idea to put um, patient centered medical home as our thing so pushing healthcare out to the the clinics and we have a pilot where we do have a dietitian that's in a physician clinic doing absolutely stunning work I mean great work uh, Janet Ryberg you might know who Janet is mm-hmm. um, she she works at Lakeview one day a week and and uh, you know does great work you know significant drops in a- hemoglobin A1Cs for the diabetics you know outcomes. yeah the outcomes are there but we just have yet to have that. I mean, we're just not that agile as as an organization to get that to see that and and move it into action. Um, so that you know, so we work with that. Then the final thing is I've got a bunch of consultants. Then I that we do client work uh, on on an ongoing basis. So I send one consultant down to Orchard Place and another one out to oh, COC okay. in Indianola. And then I have have had well then in this whole clinics thing, this is where the entrepreneurial piece is that we. You know, I've been talking, we we're going to do a joint venture with Mercy and with University of Iowa for ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. Uh-huh. And we're providing the dietitians for that. And that's kind of cool because now we're, you know, it's not just, you know, us in blue and Mercy in green and Iowa City in gold. It's going to be all of us together working together connected. on the clinic and connected um, for this very special population. There's only about 200 people in the state of Iowa who have ALS. And, and I can't say it out quickly what the what that stands for but uh, yeah. yeah but the thing is is that uh the university of iowa has really has the only clinics going in the state that really actively address this so they they have a client load of about 70 clients right now in iowa city and they by opening operations here in des moines they want to see about another 30 so they'll try and get half of the population that has als at any given time that's so, great. They see the value of having a registered dietitian being part of that. Absolutely, yeah. And, and kudos, a woman named Erin Springer, the University of Iowa. She she is very, very, very well. And uh, Amy Tabor used to work with yes. that, that group. Yeah. So, so uh, my two, Sandy Verhazeld and and Brand Stracky, Brand Fink now. Um, uh, they're going to be backing uh, the the team up for that. That's so, great. Yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so you you're just uh, one FTE, right? <laughs> I am. Well, I feel like and, you're about three. Well, <laughs> and that that was that's my position got kind of created out of thin air three years ago because Mandy Corselman was my and another phenomenal boss. I mean, she was really good. 
but she had to move on. I mean, it was, it was, it was about, she was working about 1.6 FTE just to hold this whole thing that. together. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't happening for her. And, you know, and, and she has two boys that are, well, at the time they were probably five and eight, you know, and just, and, and the kids need you. And then, mm-hmm. you know, they just, they just do. And, and so I, I can't blame her for going to DeVita and doing what she did. I, you know, you have to, that self-preservation thing is real important. So one more career. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, what would that be? Well, I I have, and I'll throw it out there. I, I have got given the thought to that whole idea of the volunteer piece, the volunteer thing once again. I think, you? yeah, I have. I I I'm a reasonable health. Uh, you know, I'm just mere years away uh-huh. from really being able to to you know pick up sticks and go i mean the girls we've saved some we've saved some for college thankfully and and they're now yeah we'd have to work out where the finances go on that and and certainly um but that is that's a that's one of those things that's calling me out in the background going like you know maybe maybe in four or five years i would just drop everything and go work for Bread for the World, or or something here in Des Moines. You know, there's there's plenty of organizations that just need somebody who who can pull that stuff together and has mm-hmm. a few connections. And so, um, yeah, I'm 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 game. I, I think uh, <laughs> you're listening uh, to that inner inner fulfillment again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know that that movement where you know call it what you will. You know, I, I think there's there is that whole movement to think of what is what will feed you. And and I like I said I I I've, I feel like I, I Unity Point and I, 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 they've been an ab- astoundingly good employer. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really like working there, um, and and uh, been well supported all the way through, and, and then just a great team of people to work with. Um, but I also know that this probably is not a forever thing. Sure, and, you know, sure. I mean, I'm coming up on 20 years here in a couple of, in about a year and a half, and uh, yeah, 20 years is it's a long, well, time. It's a long time. Absolutely, it is a long time. <laughs> but I, I think that's I love your message of just really listening to what fulfills you because I think that's mm-hmm. such a good message for all dietitians no matter where yeah. you are, anybody just in general. Yeah. And and one of the bywords my, you know, my late wife used to say, she says, you know, you got it. About every 5 years you got to do something that scares the pants off of you. You know, you really do. <laughs> And I think she's right. I mean, yeah. in, in that, you know, she had started out public health nursing, and but she she went, she didn't stay here in Iowa. She went to Spanish Harlem in New York, you know, where she had to speak Spanish most of the time. She had and to do it. And she it probably scared it. the pants yeah, off of her. Yeah, you know, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, and then us taking off a year and doing that. And then, um, you know, then the whole, well, of course, the next adventure was having kids. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, she was already, that was already her thing you know Mm -hmm. um so for us yeah i i need to recognize that you know change is inevitable you know and certainly how do you deal with that how do you work with that how do you how do you yeah i mean there's so much been being written on those kinds of things but again i think there there's there there are some things that again that core of your being that you you need to be true to yourself about uh, again and being clear about what your desires are and and if it happens to be that it's not dietetics but riding a snowboard all winter all right you know go for it (laughs) you're passionate somehow (laughs) you know somehow you could probably work it out you know you, you know maybe parlay it into uh you know, Winter Olympic Training Center, or I, I don't know, you know, you but know. Uh, you just don't know. Obviously, there's definitely, if you keep an open mind, there's definitely a route to anything. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and I think that's that's another thing. I had a I had a Ken. Let's see who's who's the barbecue sauce from guy from uh, the Twin Cities. Ken Johnson, sound right? Barbecue. Hmm. Uh, Ken Ken. They don't sell it here in, in this part of the state anymore. But I, I, his wife and I were were kind of mentored together because we were both minorities. Uh, she she's an African American woman, and I'm a white guy in, in our profession. You know, <laughs> that that's still weird to me. That is, that is very. <laughs> but yeah. she another mentor figure. You know, and I would go up to her because I was I was trying to look. For, I was trying to find my place in the sun. You know, and she. And I just remember going to visit her one afternoon in St. Louis Park at their offices there. And and, uh, and she said, you know, sometimes you just have to look out of the corner of your eye. I mean, there are things that are happening out there that that don't discount that. I mean, explore it if you have to. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, for her, it was real. Um, that was really good advice in that if I hadn't, I would not have gotten on with the Meals and Wheels program. That That's not, I mean, agency work was not I'm what I had out. thought. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so... I don't know. So that's why I, I kind of like to surf around on LinkedIn every so often, see what's out there. You know, I like to think about, you know, I've, you know skill sets and all that. Yes, I probably, I'm willing to work. F- I mean, obviously, if I move, I'll take a pay cut, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Yeah. At this point, <laughs> you're like, you know, hey, at this the house point? is paid for, man. You know, I, 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 that's uh, a plus. Yeah, <laughs> it is. You know, so, I mean, there there's some things that I could do that certainly, uh, I'm in a pretty enviable position right now. That yeah, if I were to move on, that I, I, I it would be able to be done. And I have told my director that I said I, you know, Cheryl, I think I'm going to give this about another three to four years, and then I, I you know, I'll be 60 years old. I might just transition to something else that, you know, yeah, we'll pay the bills, but I, 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 I uh, you know, well. To see what comes. Yeah, I have no that's idea. it. Well, not no that's idea. exciting. It's exciting to be open to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, like I said, in four years, you know, Bridget will be in her second year in college, and and uh, and you know, hopefully, be graduate school. I hope we'll see. <laughs> I, I don't know. See what happens with those two uh, as well. It's, it's all right. So. Well, thank you for answering. Yeah. You answer all those serious questions. How about some fun questions? Sure. Okay. What is your favorite food? Favorite food? Oh, that depends on the day. Uh, that <laughs> depends on the cook. day. I love to cook. I, I also have been very active. I, I brew beer. I love to do that. Oh, that's fun. Well, I do. Just And again, it goes back to that whole chemistry, fiddling with stuff kind of thing. I Just yeah. endless things like that. Um, you know, sometimes it's just what happens to be in my fridge. I mean, I, I've kind of had this thing for... Gateway has this ancient grain salad that's got, you know, quinoa and mm, bulgur wheat and, and tricolor and, and uh, you know, nuts. And, and I'm like, yeah, I can that's give me a, give me more of that, you know. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, too, it's it's the, um, I have a oh, friend who's a farmer and, you know, and every, about this time of year, he calls me, Lyle calls me, he says, hey, I'm finishing some calves, you know, grass-fed. And, oh, my gosh. And, uh, and we talk about, you know, the, the Omega. He goes, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure out this Omega-3 thing. And, <laughs> and you, know, you get it because you know. And, you know and I said, well, Lyle, you know, and so, and, and I this spring, I'm going to have to tell him no, I think. I hate, because I, I, I ordered a, a mixed quarter and. 
you know, it's eight months later and I'm only about halfway through yeah, it. So I mean, it's a lot of meat. It's a lot of meat. But sometimes, yeah, I mean, a good pot roast, you know, just, I love, I think the thing I learned about in in New Zealand is, you know, seasonally eating is still good eating. I mean, because mm-hmm. when we were there, you forget how remote that place is. I mean, it's 1,500 sure. miles from across, 1,500 miles of ocean from Australia. And so, you know, when when there were no more oranges, there's no, no more, more oranges, oranges. You know, <laughs> and and uh, so I mean, so you, you we did transition from food to food to food as as the seasons as went the on. Season went. Now here in the states, I mean, good God, it's it's March, it's cold outside, and yet I was able to serve fresh berries to somebody last sure. night. You know, yeah. Well, and think about this. I mean, that strawberry gives us what ten calories, five to eight ten calories somewhere in there. But it took probably five hundred calories worth of diesel fuel to get that darn That's strawberry true. to my table. You know, <laughs> That's true. So we have to be mindful of those things. So kind of seasonal eating. I like seasonal it. eating is is it's it's good for the earth. It's it's good for us. I you know I, I uh, and it t- try. That's the best tasting food around when you can buy seasonal. Well, and I think the other thing I keep telling my heart patients is that. Uh, you know, the best thing you can do for your heart is plant a garden. You know, plant mm-hmm. something for, you know, for yourself so that you get used to that idea of, you know, of it's that relationship with your food and, and knowing I think, where it comes from. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we we have we have many times such a disconnect with that, and and I mean, and we dietitians are no less guilty of that. But mm-hmm. there's just knowing where that is and the farmer's face and so on. And and we're so fortunate here in Iowa that that we can almost all year long. You know, um, my dad's got hoop gardens. I mean, he's he's eating greens out of his garden now. Yes, you know, because yeah. he's got a low hoop garden. You uh-huh. know, so. Um, so you, but is there anything that you don't really care for? Is there a food that you don't? Oh golly. Like. Um. Oh well, yeah. We went to Crunkwich last week. <laughs> good. It's okay. It's good. It's good. The ramen was fine. Uh, but I had this stuff called Thai tea, and it was came in a in a jar or it came in a can. I'm thinking like, okay, canned iced tea. I get it. So I, I took one drink and it's it's I it's that Asian kind of powdered milk and stuff Ooh, kind of it was and it was this 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 shade of orange and hmm. like circus peanuts orange that sure. color <laughs> and I you know it just it just hit me all, all the sensory pieces just were not hitting for me you know and I, it smelled kind of funny real very highly processed you know gotcha. And I, I said, Bridget, try this. You know, she goes, she took it and she goes, Dad, no. I can't do it either. You know, and, and, and so we poured it out on the, I, we, I took it out of the restaurant and poured it on the ground immediately because huh. it just was not working for me. Um, so that's that I, I'm not too crazy about. But yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty good omnivore. I'll, I'll, I'll pretty well eat most things. Um, that's great. I mean, I, and, and having, lived all over i mean you got to be careful i mean sometimes obviously you have to be careful because you you don't know if you're going to get hepatitis a from something or or whatever but uh um no i I said you tried you've been around and had a lot of different yeah so for you probably not to like something it it's got to be pretty pretty bad (laughs) i mean there there are some things i mean I, i don't care for but what I'll eat. I mean, I have no problem with that. But mm-hmm. to, yeah, flat out just saying, uh, no, I'm not going to eat that. I, I There's not too many things in this That's world right. that, that are, yeah. Do you have a favorite drink? Um, you know, sometimes just a cold glass of water, you know. Uh, 
I, I am a coffee hound. I, I <laughs> love my coffee. In fact, that's one of the another nice things. The gal that owns Zanzibar's lives like four doors oh, down. Perfect. So I go, you know, so I, I'm helping my neighbor by buying her coffee. Local. And so, business. Like, yeah. So last night, you know, I'm, I'm, I got a half a pound of Kenya double A and the band. I served it to the band. They're going, oh, this is so good. Delicious. You know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I love my coffee. Yeah, I like a, you know. I, I do. I'll drink. I like a good beer. I really do. Um, That's fun that you're make, you're kind of experimenting with your yeah, own. Too. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, just and, and there's you know finding that whole vocabulary, that whole food vocabulary, and that kind of thing really really helps as well. Um, but it also makes me mindful of I think you know of that whole global kind of thing because you know it is it is a process that uses tons of water. I mm-hmm. mean, and, and those kinds of things. So in a sense. Yeah, we can do it here because we got lots of water, but you know, there's lots of places where potable water is not, not even a deal. Available. So I, I do have to I have to think about that. On the other hand, making beer was the reason that maybe civilization might. I, I, this is a theory, that, of course, a pet theory of mine, <laughs> uh, and many others that you know because now again, not the the not the the strong the beer the strength that we drink it now, but a weak beer protected drinking. You know, protected sure. hydration, uh, so that we were able to have a, a free a, a supply of something safe to safe, drink safe for many years. You know, for for generations, mm-hmm. uh, because again, uh, most times uh, uh, the the drink of ha- the house was a weak beer. Which so if I were to buy a a Budweiser, it's around five and a quarter percent alcohol. Um, most often in the house, two hundred years ago, you would have weak beer that was like a percent, maybe. Oh, you know, sure. so it was. You know, yes, there. Yes, I mean, there was alcohol. There was alcohol in it. Was However, hydration. Right. Well, ish. Yeah, ish. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so I mean, but it's just one of those things you think about. Um, yeah, I mean, and uh, certainly, uh, you know, having been in New Zealand and the white wine country down there, this this um, phenomenal, and 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 really, in the late eighties when we were there. The, the, all of that work that everybody was doing for the was for the export market, and so I did oh. work for the fisheries board down there because Orange Ruffy was huge, and they were trying yes. to develop stuff for the export market. And and uh, again, this let lamb a leg thing, leg of lamb thing that I was doing, yes, that was for export. And the wine industry was just getting going down there. And now, you know, uh, of course, the Sauvignon Blanc grape is is world renowned, mm-hmm. and, and and their reds are now maturing into. There are wineries that have vines that are thirty about thirty years old now. Mm. So now they're starting to come with some pinots and things like that are that are very they're they're standing up to California wines. Excuse me. So that um so I you know, I, it was fun to watch that in its infancy and, and really to kind of And now to it. see it now yeah. being in is there anything that you don't care to drink? Oh, it's just that tea? Soda. <laughs> soda. I, you know, I, I don't drink soda anymore. I, I just, you know, I, I think of, I'm trying to remember the last time I actually had a soda, especially, and, and, and part of it is that's not, I've just become not, I'm not physically sensitive, but just aware of that conglomerate. I mean, that whole, you know, the sugar What's and the chemicals it? and the, you know, mm-hmm. it's a highly engineered food. I, you know, I, I like to hold myself to that Michael Pollan ideal of, you know, Eat real food, not too much, mostly plants, you yes. know. And, yes. and and uh, and soda just does not have a place fit. in that. It doesn't, it doesn't fit, fit you know. <laughs> now again, it's not to say that I go to the Wayland Cafe every so often and I'll have a tenderloin and fries and a Pepsi, just like I did at the Main Street Cafe in Coon Rapids, <laughs> Iowa, like I did as a kid. You know, yeah, that's a comfort food. Yeah, I get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
No, I just can't remember the last time I had a soda like that. Um, that's, that's, so I don't do that anymore. No. Yeah. Do you have a favorite smell? Uh, coffee. Oh, coffee. coffee. Coffee's fresh a good, brewed fresh, coffee. Fresh brewed And I, I made bread yesterday. I guess still got a couple loaves. If you, I'll give you one to take home. Oh. If you like. <laughs> uh, well, we're not going to eat it all. So uh, <laughs> fresh bread. I mean, I, I, that's what got me started in this whole game was, uh, you know, mom being the home ec teacher. I uh, She taught me kind of how to get started with bread. And then that's, I've, I've been baking since I, that stuff since I was 12 oh, certainly wow. since i was 12 so um, so one of these days i'm probably gonna affect maybe this year i'll try and get the gumption to uh enter enter at the state fair i don't know oh you should that would be a well, great it's, idea it's a it's a recipe of my own and it's one i've been playing with for a long time and uh i it uses malt and it uses uh uncle sam cereal and um, mm. malt uncle sam cereal oatmeal and grape nuts honey and canola oil, sea salt, and you make a hot cereal out of that. So it's like you, you got this big bowl oh, of gruel, <laughs> you know, but then you throw the yeast, yeast, you know, proof up your yeast and water. Now you got a liquid to work with, and then throw flour, and I put gluten and flour oh, in, and wow. work it up to the bread. That and sounds it's, delicious. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's very good. And uh, and that's been fun too. Just one of the I, I, we judge the healthy creations at the state fair. So I work with uh, uh, Katie Paulson. Oh, for for sure. Mercy, you know, yeah. I work with her every year on that, and she's a delight. Uh, she really is a fun person to to work with, and I I, I really uh, look forward to that every year too. Um, That's a fun part of your job. Yeah, it Not is. Too bad the little food. the little things, <laughs> yes, yeah, the little things. You know, keeps you going. So what what brings you joy in your life? Uh, I think being aware. You know, it's it's in a sense. I mean, I think the you know the the time that. Certainly, I look forward to going up to Minnesota with my friends and going fishing and hanging out at the monastery. But I think it's that whole at the bottom of it. It's having the the le- that that luxury of that time to to be fully a, attentive and aware. I, I think that that's where I'm coming to now. Um, in in that, um, and I, there's. And I could do that in my backyard now. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's not like I've got to go to Cancun to, to get the, get my jollies anymore. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, travel is still something I really I would love to do more of. Once again, once the kids, I mean, we did drag them to Ireland when they were small, but mm-hmm. for about a month. But I I would love to travel again. But I think it's that whole thing about um, taking those moments. I mean, in my in my when my wife died, I didn't realize what Facebook really was all about. I, I had an account to promote these Celtic music concerts. And I and I was going to use it as a tool, but I started blogging on it. So I got, I've got like about 160 pages worth of, well, no, actually it's 300 pages worth of text of just stuff I've just talked about in terms of life, looking at life and, and, and thinking out loud about where I am with that, ruminating mm-hmm. about those things. And in fact, that's what got me, um, got me a, a piece in the Magnolia Journal. I, you know, I, I my uh, neighbor down the street, Carmen Hotchkiss, is an executive um, editor for Mer- Meredith, and she, she and I have known each other for years. And and she said, I just like what you write. She goes, uh, we were just talking the other day, and and um, the Gaineses wanted a piece about how do you manage your life, and how do you find the spaces in your life to do what you need to do, and. And she goes, I want you to give us 300 words on some things, so pitch me some ideas. So I pitched five or six ideas from the blogs, and 
and we we it didn't take long and then i put out a 300 word arc of a story they paid me very nicely for it i would Wonderful. say i would yeah <laughs> very nicely um so I, I I had no idea who Chip and Joanna Gaines were. I had no idea. <laughs> now Did you Did not do. know who they were. I don't have TV. I mean, I, I don't. I don't have a TV in this house. I, mm. I, we have a TV downstairs. It's not hooked up. Uh, so I don't, you know, I, that's just a choice I've made. Again, uh, do, I, do I eat a good meal or do I have a smorgasbord of stuff to choose from? I, mm. I choose to eat one thing at a time, you know, so... Um, so again, I, that, that that whole piece about you know, I think just settling down to become aware. And so in that, in fact, my director and I had this this conversation the other day, and I said, I just said, you know, sometimes the best thing about what I used to do was that Monday morning I would drive 150 miles to go to work, you know, and stay the week, and I'd drive home. Well, I'd have three and a half hours of windshield time, mm-hmm. and for an introvert like me. I gotta have that, and and if I don't do that, then then things go haywire really quick, and so, so the, long and short, that's really where where it's awesome. at. And that's no. is that's probably why you kind of like the writing part of it because mm-hmm. you it just helps that come out for you. Well, and again, it's it's that whole again discern. It, 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 I mean, the the Jesuits talk about discernment. You know, mm-hmm. it, 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 you, there there are processes we need to engage to really hear that voice, and and so whatever it happens to be if it happens to be going to the beach and gazing at the sunset or if it happens to be journaling every little thought you have or if it happens to be calling up a friend and talking to them as a sounding board however that works out i mean that's that's where that's why i see where the value is and so uh, for me it happens to be you know, sometimes just sitting there with a fishing pole in my hand, I get mm-hmm. it, you know. <laughs> oh, that's, I love that message. That's yeah. a really good message. Yeah. And people need to take that time for themselves we to do, do. that. We there, do. There's so much that begs of us, of our attentions. And, it's, you know, and again, I know we have all these, these, you know, this, I mean, we have things that beg for our attention and 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 it's not to say that doing podcasts and 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 twitter and checking in on twitter and 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 seeing what you're up to on facebook i mean i i love that i love the fact that the family that i lived with in mexico i'm in direct communication with now still you know every day because i i you can can i can now i mean even new zealand in 1989 the quickest way I could get something home was by courier, and it, it, it took four days. And wow. it was it was a hundred bucks to buy a pouch for a courier, four days to get back to Iowa. And now I can I can I can pretty well call. I can Facetime <laughs> people true. over yeah, there, you know. Yeah. So uh, it's uh, and and just with that acceleration in the technology, I, I, you know, I, I I love it on one hand, but I also know that. I, I need to be disciplined about, you know, again, eating one thing. I, to take that food analogy, eating mm-hmm. one thing at a time or taking one thing at a time or, or you know, paying attention to that thing, that one thing rather than, you know, and it's that whole tension between seeing the forest and seeing the trees in the forest, you know, uh, that we all have. Uh, um, you know, again, I just to hear that essential message of who we are. Because I, I, I firmly believe we were put on this earth for a purpose. Um, or we have a purpose when we, when we, uh, when we are conscious of it. And, and, uh, um, and so the, the, the gift that we give to the world, and, and hopefully to, in my mind, our creator, you know, is to say that we have to discover that and act on it. And so 
Um, uh, again, I, I, I fully aware of that. And, and then that's really the number one job as dad is to help these two kids <laughs> sort that out for themselves too, and, or and sort that out in concert with people that I trust. So, um, and they're getting there. They're getting there. <laughs> they will get there for sure. There. Yeah. Well, thank so, you so yeah, much yeah. today, Brian, for yeah. all your words of wisdom. And uh, <laughs> I think I've learned a lot today and I feel inspired actually. Okay. So thank good, you good. so much. Well, like I say, no, it's, it's a, it's a pleasure. It always is. It always is. Yeah. If anyone is looking for a mentor, Brian is someone I would highly recommend. He is living out his passion after a long journey, and he truly is the definition of a great dietitian. He has experienced so many different career paths and knows why listening to your heart is the most important thing when choosing your profession. Not only did I leave with warm, fuzzy feelings, I left with a new friend and one of his delicious loaves of bread that he definitely needs to enter into the Iowa State Fair. Jolly Time Healthy Pop Popcorn is available in a variety of flavors and sizes, all of which that are low in fat and high on deliciousness. Did you know that just three cups of Jolly Time Popcorn equal one whole grain serving? Jolly Time is family owned and located in Sioux City, Iowa. And if you want to learn more, visit JollyTime.com. Head on over to AnnaElizabethRD.com where my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What? is available. You can also read my weekly blog, Wisdom Wednesday, And you can find all the show notes and links to things Brian and I talked about today. I would love for you to connect with me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AnnaElizabethRD. Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.